Voids, the way to have a flocking good life. If you're feeling like you're having a tough time at the moment, here are a few words of comfort and encouragement to get you heading in a new, empowering, empowered direction this week. It takes inspiration from the flocking behaviour of birds and fish that keeps them safe in times of danger. Are we not in times of danger? In 1986, this behaviour was modelled using three simple rules. Yes, just three simple rules. The purpose of this podcast is to encourage you to simplify your own prime directives down to three. Then together, we may boldly go. So I begin by quoting from Wikipedia about the birdoid object, or Boids. Boids is an artificial life programme developed by Craig Reynolds in 1986, which simulates the flocking behaviour of birds. His paper on this topic was published in 1987 in the Proceedings of the ACM SIGGRAPH Conference. The name Boyd corresponds to a shortened version of Bird-Oid Object, which refers to a bird-like object. Incidentally, Boyd is also a New York metropolitan dialect pronunciation for bird. The Boyds! In the written version of the article on LinkedIn, I was able to patch in some uh, YouTube videos. So uh, look for the notes on this podcast. As with most artificial life simulations, Boyd's is an example of emergent behaviour. That is, the complexity of Boyd's arises from the interaction of individual agents, the Boyd's, in this case, adhering to a set of simple rules. The rules applied in the simplest Boyd's world are as follows. Firstly, separation. So they have to steer to avoid crowding local flock mates. Secondly, alignment, steer towards the average heading of local flock mates. And thirdly, cohesion, steer to move towards the average position, the centre of the mass of local flock mates. More complex rules can be added, such as obstacle avoidance and goal seeking. And that's the end of the quote. And you might be thinking, so what, Lex? So what? Well, what I'm really going for here is let's come up with three simple, non-negotiable rules for life that can help us stay safe in these times of danger. Three rules for life then. My therapist, yes, I'm British, and yet I have a therapist. In fact, I have three. Kim So, the therapist I'm thinking of, was sharing the idea that the Ten Commandments are the Ten Commitments. I think her theology wouldn't go down well with my former Bible college, but I do like the way she's thinking. Her thought then, it's more sort of Buddhist, her thought was that we're so bad at keeping the Ten Commandments, we might be more successful if we saw them as commitments and didn't beat ourselves up all the time. Of course, I beg to differ in one or two of them. Thou shalt not kill is a rather fatal commitment if you don't keep it. And I'm sure Her Majesty's Crown Prosecution Service would have a pretty inflexible attitude to this too. However... I love Kim's idea, and I love the compassion and gentleness of the idea. So let's play with the idea. What if you had three commitments to guide the course of your life in society? The Boyds manage to work together in their own society, just as real birds and fish do, to their mutual advantage. Thus my main question today is, if you only had three main principles to live by, your three commitments... What would they be? I thought this was a really helpful question to answer and was surprised that I knew mine to the point I could articulate them rapidly, almost immediately. If you don't want to be influenced by my own choices, pause now, pause this recording and answer the question for yourself. What are your three commitments? I'd also ask you to share yours in the comments. 
My three commitments are proactively choose to do to others what I'd prefer them to do to me too. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Secondly, know where I want to get to, which is to create powerful memories of the future. Memories of the future that I truly desire. And I'll explain more on that. And then thirdly, put first things first. So proactively choose to act, to do to others what I want them to do to me. Create a powerful vision of the future that I really want and put first things first. Do get put. Let's expand the first one. Proactively do unto others. A great life is one lived intentionally. In this paradigm, life doesn't just happen to you. You become the prime agent of change. Most people reframe do unto others as you would be done to into give others as good as they've given to you or worse, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. That's not the commitment I'm making. Neither is it the intention of the golden commandment. The original intent is more like the random acts of kindness movement. It's to proactively choose on a daily basis to do good. You don't have to wait till somebody does good to you. You choose to do good proactively. It's looking for opportunities to treat others, including animals and the environment, with actions that will enhance their quality of life. You become the one who picks up the phone, who picks up the rubbish, who picks up the pace. Let's expand the second one then. Create powerful memories of the future. Memories of the future is a translation of the Swedish phrase minem av framtiden, coined by Professor David Ingvar of the University of Lund in Sweden. Through his studies of scenario planning in the brain, he suggested we make sense of the non-linear noise bombarding our senses by filtering it to fit temporal templates of what we are looking for. Wow, Lex, that's a bit heavy, isn't it? But let's put it in simpler speech. In simpler speech, we have a map to the future that we use to evaluate what is happening in the present. We have all these temporal templates, these time templates in our head, which are used to judge what's happening right here, right now. If what we notice serves our journey forward, we pay attention to it, conscious attention. Otherwise, we just delete it. Why do we pay attention to it? Because it is on the map. This is not all good news. If your vision of the future is one of doom and gloom, and you'd have good reason to think that way at the moment, you will create a set of scenarios as template maps in your head. These are all stored in your memory, hence they are memories of the possible future. When something happens to come across your senses that makes sense to one of your maps, you pull out the map and pay attention. If your map is one of doom and gloom, you pay attention to the doom and gloom. Your map is your truth. Affirmations are maps, they're memories of the future too. If you affirm, I am no good at maths, or I hate doing my paperwork, that's your map, that's your memory of the future. Every single time you have difficulty, even the slightest difficulty with maths or paperwork, your inner dialogue will be shouting, hey, this is on the map, I told you so, this is true. It is imperative therefore that we create, imagine, Imagineer positive and empowering maps to the future, memories of the future, maps that bring hope. If you want a happier, healthier, more holistic future, get a better map. Or better still, draw a better map. Create your own map to the future. This is what I do in my strategic mentoring. 
I co-create with my clients their own seasonal maps to the future. 90 days at a time. Let's think about the future you desire that's realistic, that's attainable, but that is utterly positive. Mind map that out as a dashboard for your destiny, really, your dashboard to destiny. And then we work on it together, me as your mentor and sometimes your coach. Third one is put first things first. I've been a fan of Stephen R. Covey, A. Roger Merrill and Rebecca Merrill's book, First Things First, for decades. It was published in 1994 and I was an early adopter, except I wasn't. I understood the wisdom of the book, but have taken years to put it into practice. And it's so simple. I am still a work in progress and I am inviting you to join me on a journey of being a work in progress, a bit like Kim's commitments. The principle is brilliantly explained in a video that I referenced during the written version of this recording. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. If you just search for Big Rocks Covey, you'll see the video of a, a beautiful executive volunteer from the audience in sort of 1980s type red shoulder pads. It's quite funny in terms of the fashions and Stephen Covey working with her on how to fill two plastic clear buckets with uh, representations of their commitments. Uh, these are fine pebbles to represent the busy noise of life. And then the big rocks are our major priorities. Have a look for that. Big Rocks Covey YouTube. If you catch the abridged version, there's a volunteer who attempts to get big rocks representing her true priorities into an already busy schedule represented by a clear bucket already partially filled with small pebbles. The bucket represents the week ahead and it is already partially filled with the pebbles of small tasks. These tasks may be urgent and necessary, but they are not tasks and activities that are truly important to the participant in this video. Like the rest of us, she is frustrated by not having enough time to achieve all she desires. Whether you get to watch the video or not, here's the spoiler. When she puts first things first, the stuff in her life that is truly important, though not necessarily urgent, she physically demonstrates on the video it is possible to get all the little things in too. This is physically impossible, it seems, when we pay attention to the small stuff first. Don't put the small stuff first. In an attempt to brand this concept into my mind and thus into my behaviour, into my own habits, I've taken a leaf out of the book of Jewish tradition of the phylactery. A phylactery is a, a leather box containing Torah verses, scripture verses, worn on the head or on the arm to remind the wearer of what they are putting first in their lives. It is a physical token of a memory of the future, a commitment to put certain things first, first things first. We'll need to jump metaphors for a moment. In his fuller work, Stephen R. Covey talks about our principles and our commitments being our true north. It is the compass, Covey suggests, that should be directing our time, not the clock. It should be our principles, our values, our direction that should be directing our time, making time our servant and not our master. So for me, the compass is my phylactery. In organisations, Stephen R. Covey calls this principle-centred leadership, and it enables us to exercise integrity in the moment of choice. Thus, to remind myself of these principles, I have purchased a watch that is a compass as well. In fact, it's more visibly a compass than it is a watch. I am intentionally putting this on in the morning and taking it off at night. 
I am intentionally putting this on in the morning and taking it off at night as a ritual reminder to put first things first. I've also created a mind map of what my priorities are until the end of this season, my 90 days, when I will revisit and possibly revise them. I have thus created my own map to the future or my own memory of the future. And this is something I can do with you as well. If you're serious about taking control of your destiny, create a dashboard to your destiny. Let's return to first principles as defined by ourselves. Let's put first things first. Then, and only then, will we have a flocking good life. Oh, by the way, if you fancy a bonus, just follow the YouTube links to Franklin Covey's playlists of uh, Stephen Covey's work, Dr. Stephen Covey, because uh, there's a really good one on planning your week by putting first things first. This has been Lex McKee on our podcast, thanking you for your attention. I really do wish you an abundant life. And one of the great ways to have an abundant life is to choose to put first things first, to make sure that you live your principles, to do acts of kindness to others before they've done anything kind for you. And as my second principle says, to create powerful memories of the future using things like mind mapping. Have a great week.